everybody. Welcome to the Profit Rocket Podcast. I'm your host, Victor Rancor. This is our episode number 20. Uh, today is a very exciting episode for me, uh, not only because the guest is someone that I look up to, someone that's crushed it in our industry for a long time, uh, but also we're going to discuss you know, what's going on in my life and, and what's going on with Absolute Airflow and, and how we've been able to exit and why we're super excited about the future of not only myself, Absolute Airflow, and the Fix-It group. Uh, Mr. George Donaldson, man, welcome to the podcast. Hey, man, thanks for having me. And we're, uh, we're super excited about this one. And, and, you know, obviously the first thing I want to do is kind of jump in and talk a little bit about you, not just talk about, you know, talk about the, you know, the, the sale and everything like that. But I want to get a little deep dive so my audience knows who you are, what you've done in the industry, and then obviously what our, you know, future plans are. So uh, first thing is, I mean, George used to run one of, uh, was it the one hour here in California? Yeah, a um, little bit. I guess I'll just real quick go through my entire background. Really started as a, uh, I'm an electrician by trade. Started off in commercial for a couple of years and then went to a small residential company in Colorado at the time called Candlelight. And uh, I became manager of the electric department within a couple of years. And we started HVAC and plumbing and suddenly I was managing, you know, a HVAC and plumbing along with electric. And initially I had no idea what I was doing and really ran it like an electrician. You had to know how to sell it, install it, maintenance it, everything. And then we joined an organization called SGI. It really taught me a lot more. We, I grew that company. Um, I got put in, in charge of the whole company in 2004 and grew from a million to 17 million over the following four years. And again, the first part kind of winging it, then learned what I was doing more and more. And uh, we then joined the One Hour brand in Denver. Um, There's a franchise, national franchise, One Hour, Ben Franklin, Mr. Sparky. Denver was actually the first trip, triple franchise under one roof at that time. And we got acquired in 2007 by the by Clockwork Home Services, and uh, we were one of their company-owned stores at that time. Eight months later, got promoted to a regional vice president. And first got a couple challenges. Uh, biggest challenge I got was in Nashville, went and handled that. They got promoted to the West Coast, biggest responsibility I had. And I had um, you know, Oklahoma City, Denver, California. And their biggest challenge in the entire organization was, was an acquisition they made in L.A., and then another one had became a problem right then in uh, Riverside. And that was the one hour Ben Franklin. Um, we added, I added Mr. Sparky to that after I bought it, but I got the opportunity. I fixed it throughout 2009. It was right, the 2008 bubble crash really hurt that company too. And that was right when I inherited it. It was right into that, you know, it was October of 2008. And um, end of 2009, I ended up getting the opportunity to buy it. So I bought that company, stayed on as a regional manager helped Clockwork transition to Direct Energy, who they sold to, which was then the biggest company um, next to ARS doing what we do here in in uh, the U.S. And how, how old were you at that time? So obviously you've come from obviously managing, running, and being an electrician, and now all of a sudden you're an owner. What what age were you that when you did um, So when I became a regional manager, I was 28. 28, wow. When I bought the company, I just turned 30. Nice. So now I'm the owner of a company, we grew that company that I bought here from six to 36 million over again, four years. And during that time, 
you know, direct energy had bought the franchise and I didn't agree with the align with the direction they were going. I was the largest franchisee by then. And I decided to exit and create right time home services. We created our own brand and we're doing well. A year later, ARS made me an offer. I thought I couldn't re refuse. Um, ultimately the only business regret in life that I have is, is selling that company. But I did stayed on with them and changed their ARS stores in that market or this market here to, um, right time home services as well. So it looked like a reverse merge. And uh, we were suddenly the biggest here in Southern California at that point. And um, I was a corporate officer for ARS now, and they were the only company backed by PE um, before all these other companies started getting in, in with PE. So I didn't go to the board meetings, but I learned a lot about private equity to an extent at that point being a corporate officer. And uh, stayed on for a couple of years to really just got burned out of the corporate mentality type BS. And, you know, because a lot of it really politics and certain things did exist there. So I decided, you know, it was best to, uh, I thought I was going to retire, man. I literally legit thought I was retiring from this industry. I knew it was a retiring, but wanted to go do other things. And so in, in the end of 2016, left there and looked into well, many industries. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So you know, you're, you're exiting this business. You're still young, right? You made, made a good amount of money. You have all this opportunity, but like, like you said, it's one of your regrets, right? Like, so you maybe want to talk about the, the feeling of when you first sold it, how you were feeling. Cause there's a lot of people that are, you know, maybe thinking about exiting their business like I did. And we'll talk a little bit about the, you know, the motion, the stuff that I'm going through. But at that time you want to talk about like what was going through your head, like as, as a young guy, that's got all this opportunity and now you, now you kind of gave up your baby. So how, how did that go with you? Yeah. You know, um, I'm not typically somebody who is fear motivated. Like I usually don't fall into politics or what's going on in the world or that type of stuff. There's a number of things happened where I really felt like selling the business was the right thing and the best thing to do at the time. Um, you know, and feelings are feelings. They don't necessarily mean anything yeah. all the time. And, um, just a lot of things happening in the world at the time. I thought it was the best thing to do and I wasn't looking to sell. They came to me. So just the way a number of things played out, I really felt like that's what I was supposed to do. So initially I didn't have regret, you know, uh, I do. There was a point where I did looking back, but initially I didn't cause I thought that's what was supposed to happen. Not just, um, I'll tell you, not just for myself. I really thought so for my people. And I thought it was the best opportunity. If I really believed that within that situation. And that was one of the few times in business that I've been, I was very wrong for, and all that. Not for, it wasn't best for them. It wasn't best for me. Um, but it is what it is. I, it's a we all, you know, can't, can't look back. Right. Yeah. But, or you can look back actually just don't stare and something, something I've learned from somebody and, and I moved on. But when I, when I left though, our industry, there's good, the good and bad, in my opinion, to it. If you really run, I'm somebody who's just got to drive to be the best and push, 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 kind of like you are, right? You just got to, yeah. well, sometimes that can be bad if you don't control it. Yeah. So if you're pushing, 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 which I'm always doing, it burns you out. Like it's a lot. And our business has a lot of moving parts. The good to it is you could scale it to any size at will if you know what you're doing. And so I was just burnt out and I'm like, you know, I had a big responsibility at that time, you know, near a hundred million in responsibility. And I'm like, 
I felt good when I retired. I, I, at first I was just like, I'm gonna look into other industries, find one of those simple model businesses that like a restaurant almost got in the restaurant industry. I almost got into a couple different things that have been right before COVID too. That would have sucked. <laughs> so, um, but as I looked at businesses, I'm like, you could only scale every business I looked at had a, had a max that you, even if I became the best at that industry, which at the time I knew, I know nothing about, I believe I could come become the best at anything. But even if I did, I could only scale so much. These businesses, these service businesses, you can scale at will. So decided, you know what? I'm going to go find a company in Denver, buy it. Bought a company in Denver. Is generating. I really bought a name, $1.7 million a year in apartment maintenance contracts. No residential service base. And so we knew we were going to weed that out. So essentially, it was called Fix It 24-7. Love the name. Love the logo. We changed it and, and made the logo better. And as soon as we bought it, but I'm like, there's a lot, I think from a marketing perspective, we could do with this, but I had no client base. Yeah. And I brought some managers with me that had worked for me, were aligned with me already. And we said, okay, we're going to grow this company. We have, we have to advertise a lot. We have to make it work. So we're going to grow it to 10 million the first year. And well, we did circle we, back. Well, on we that. hit 9.7 the first year. Circle back a little bit, right? Like, and like he's saying, like, you got to get the right people. So like, can you want to talk about the power of like having those right people already ready to go and what that meant for your business? Cause like, you know, going in there and doing it yourself is one thing, but if you got a team like that and obviously you guys set a goal, uh, how much impact was that to have the right guys with you? Oh, you can't grow from zero to 9.7 million without having a few people around you. I mean, but ultimately I only had two to start yeah. and one main guy, Brian Remington. And then, you know, people that worked with us in the past came at over time, but most of the people we hired, uh, we hadn't worked with before and are still with the organization to this day, most of them, um, really were essential in growing it. But a couple big th having that experience that we've had doing it over and over again is why we put it on paper. It wasn't an accident. We said on paper, we actually didn't even hit our, technically hit our goal because we said 10 million. We had 9.7. First year though, first full year owning it, 9.7. Now, you know, six years later, it's, it's well over 30. And now we, and I joined private equity in 2020, you know, this right here is our fifth branch. We've, we're now, we've now went over a hundred million. So when you are coming into, you know, you bought a business that was doing nothing to what you're doing now, right? You're doing residential replacement and you're doing before you're doing property management, probably and all these things. Like mm -hmm. when you came into there, like, you know, a lot of people, I talk to contractors all over the place and they're like, I got, you know, commercial and this and that and that. How important was it to start like narrowing down to like, obviously this is what we do, residential replacement. You came in and, and what happened with the staff that was there or what was, what was that like? Obviously when you first come in and say, Hey, look, we're not doing this anymore. We're doing it this way. Um, yeah. There were seven people. So, um, and really at the time, you know, there's one that's still there. That's, that's still with us to this day. Who's a really good technician named George. Um, so other than that, you know, it was over time, you know, one by one, some didn't work out and fit the culture, fit the whatever. Some lasted for a few years, some didn't, some left right away. But we had, um, you know, we have, a, we have an ability to just tell people what we know within our industry, what we're good at, and we have a track record too. So, so it was easy to, to really, it's always easy to recruit and bring people onto our team because the biggest thing is they understand if they've worked with us before, or even just by reputation, culture. Culture is the biggest reason that companies lose good people. And it's also the reason why 
a lot of companies gain good people is, is it, it just gets around, it gets out there that this company has really good culture and culture is a lot of things. That's one, that's, a, that's one simple word, but there's a lot to it. And it's just from the top down, how do you really care for people? You can't fake it. Do you put leaders in place that really care for people? Cause they can't fake it. That's, that's key. Always doing the right thing, no matter what, having an open door policy, um, making it fun. Like work is what we do most. Do you make it fun? And do you truly create the most opportunity for them? Like everybody says, I'm going to pay them. I'm going to pay. I pay the most. And some people base it off like certain gimmicks, like this commission structure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, these guys are making a lot more dollars. So which one do you want? You know, and they just, they come up with stuff that make it sound great. And then actually make you believe while you're working there that you got it great. And you might have it good. I'm not saying you don't in certain, I mean, there's millions of different situations in the world, but you know, when you really evaluate and compare that we don't ever, and I mean ever in our, any of our branches lose our, our good people ever. Well, I think it was kind of funny. So 2017, I'm at service champions and you mentioned Brian Remington, right? And he was a manager when I was there. And I, I remember really liking the guy and he has, I don't think he was there very long, but I still remember when he was talking about moving to Colorado and, and I had no idea who you were. Obviously I was still new in the industry. I was only probably in HVAC for a couple of years at that point. I think I got it in 2015, this is 2017. And he's like, well, I'm going to Colorado and he's, I'm going to go work for this guy, George and blah, blah, blah. And I didn't know much about it. And the next thing I know there was a, one of our technicians was like, Hey, I'm moving out to Colorado. And I think there's some other guys and, and that I can hear about it. And I'd heard about fix it. And then all these things you guys are doing, but I had no idea, obviously, you know, in service champions, one thing they were good about is keeping you in a bubble, right? Like they don't, and they're really good at departmentalizing where technicians are just technicians. Sales guys are just sales guys. Office people are in, they separate everything. And I still remember people are leaving there and I'm like, why would you leave service champions to go to this guy in Colorado? Who is this guy? Right. And I think I just kind of watched it from a distance and kind of saw you guys grow. And then I think I saw the, uh, the announcement it was a 2021 or 2020 when you guys announced your private equity thing. Middle 20 middle of 20. I still, I think I remember the social media posts and I think I was, like I said, I didn't know who you were. I just like to watch you kind of, you know, talk a little smack online and I'll just see all your posts every once in a while, but you're really methodical, which is kind of cool. Which, and you know, some of these other guys that they try to talk back to you and I thought it was pretty funny um, watching from a distance. So, so 2020 you private partner with private equity. Um, what was the thought process behind that? Like why, why would you get into, into bed with private equity? What's, what's the thought process behind it? Yeah. So um, some of my friends like Leland Smith, um, you know, service champs is a really good company and, and, and they're, um, they're really impressive and friends with him, you know, Ken Goodrich went into joined private equity. And I mean, a lot of people were in fact, before 20 call it 19 there were like a handful call it 10 private equity groups in our space into 2020 19 into 20 into covid 63 known and that's just known private equity groups have entered our space and so that drove multiples up and i realized you know i'm very competitive want to be the best at whatever it is i'm doing it's like all right well that's where the industry is going and now that that's happened it's not going back so started researching a ton of private equity groups and found what I believe, I mean, is just an, I mean, the best, uh, an amazing private equity group that really cares about people aligned. You know, one of the things uh, we actually, they were one of the first people I elbow bumped is right as COVID was hitting in the beginning of March and, and um, you know, we're in this meeting and, and they on their own started talking about servant leadership. 
And that's like, that's our whole model, servant leadership. It's our job as leaders to serve our people. And that's our people's job to serve our clients. If we all do that well, we all win. Yeah. And so that, that was their alignment as a private equity group, which is not common in private equity. I'll tell you that. And that, so that was, that, that was just, that really, um, that was kind of like, I was sold right then. And it's been, it's truly everything they said. That meeting has been true since I've been with them. It's been great. Um, Cause you can go bad with private equity. You really can. So you gotta be careful. Um, so really my reason for that decision was just, I wanted to learn and grow and get better. I mean, I've, I've done a lot in the industry at, at this, at this point and that I was never going to grow and get better if I didn't do something like that. And you report to a board and they challenge you and, and it's been challenging. I mean, no doubt, but in a good way, most of it, and it's, you know, everything has pros and cons, but I would, I, I have zero regret to the decision. We've grown a lot. We're affecting, we have now with this over 450 people on our team and in just uh, what, three years, I'll, not even just short of three years now. And, uh, it's, uh, I'm sorry, exactly three years. I'm sorry, three years exactly now, over 450 people. And we've grown from at that point was 19 million to now over 100 million in three years. Fastest growing platform, um, EBITDA wise as well out there. And, but we're still at our base. And our goal is every time I go into a market, who's the, when we bought that company in Denver, there was, I was there before, right? So it's the yeah. same competitors that used to be there that got bigger. They've been there 50 years. Who's the biggest? We're going to be bigger than them. And we are, and we now are in those markets. Um, before I left here, I wanted to be the biggest. At the time I left, I was. And it's always my goal to go into a market and say, we're going to be the biggest. Well, now it's also as a platform. I believe yeah. the biggest is Wrench Group. So that's, we want to be the biggest. How fast can we? get to the top and the biggest thing is a lot of these platforms just by history if you just go by history you look at consolidation errors like blue dot service expert any of them they all just buy a bunch of stuff they're all like so different from each other it's just it's hard to manage at some point and they implode yeah and there's 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 a couple of platforms i think are figuring that out we're definitely one of them i think more than most where we won't implode so our our sustainability my goal is to build the first fastest growing platform, but sustainable. So we really, even though we've grown a lot in three years, we've really taken, I've walked away from so many, so many acquisitions. We've probably bought in, you know, less than 3% of, of the total that we've, that we've looked at and then the total opportunity less than 1%. And, you know, just looking at why I got into it, looking at what private equity was doing, what do we get into it? You said these goals and we're on target to hit them. But we're still at our base. Yeah. So like you being a shareholder, Victor, like you're gonna do really well because you got in right here at our base as a shareholder. You're a shareholder now. Which markets are you guys currently operating in right now? <clears throat> uh, Denver, Dallas was our second. Um, Charleston was our third. Phoenix was our fourth. This is our fifth. Nice. And and obviously, you know, coming into private equity, now you're now you're doing the acquisitions. Like it's one thing to run a a, a branch, right? Like having a location in Colorado, that's one thing. Now you bring on private equity and now you got to go prove it in other places. Like, you know, it's obviously, you know, you've proven it in multiple places now, but now you're operating multiple locations at the same time. Um, 
what is that? Like, obviously it changes, it changes everything you're doing now, right? So you're probably traveling a lot more. Like, how are you able to go into these other markets and be able to, you know, be able to start building that same culture and start, start building, you know, that camaraderie and, mm-hmm. and, and inner, inner, obviously department communication, stuff like that. Cause I know since the deals went through, I mean, I've had a bunch of people reach out from your platform, like, Hey man, welcome to the group. Congratulations. Everybody's really excited. So how has that transition been from going from one location to now I got to run all 400 people and worry about all these families that I'm feeding all the time? Yeah. So one of the things in starting our foundation to, back to being sustainable and um, being a regional manager, being a corporate officer for like I've, I did have to travel a lot, chasing challenges all the time. If you look at big companies, I'm telling you, 80% of their, t- their time and resources are going to 20% of their challenges in their organization. So you want to try to prevent those and not have culture breakdowns and have an understanding and, and culture alignment. Culture is the biggest thing that drives us. So keep an amazing culture, always do the right thing, make sure everybody, every acquisition we've made, hundred percent of the people make more money, hundred percent. Like, and nobody leaves. Like I said, you know, when I say nobody, it's, it's a very low percentage. And usually the ones that do are kind of asked to leave, right? It's not like most people are the owner's family of every organization we've, we've acquired still with us if there was family involved, hundred percent to this day, the, you know, because we only make it better. I don't care how good the culture is like this culture. Like I was just telling these guys in this meeting that we just had is amazing. I can see it immediately. We're just going to keep building on that and making it even better and better and better. The general manager has been with you four months. That's running this branch. He used to work with me in that culture. You understand that he's aligned with it. Every G he, every four, uh, four out of five, uh, I'm sorry, three out of four other GMs. He knows he worked with. They've all worked together, our whole management team, uh, management team, a lot of our management team, but our general managers are already aligned with that. Now, with that, along with that, each of them are developing from within current managers and positions, and we have a program that we're hiring, um, high character, high, high energy general manager trainer, trainees that we're training up to eventually go take a branch in other markets that we're not in. That's part of being part of that program is you have to – agree and tell me five markets we're not in that you're willing after we develop you it'll take 18 to 24 months because they're not from the industry to develop those guys that we have every level field people are developing into managers managers developing into higher level management all the if you keep every gm with the same alignment of that culture that i was talking about yeah then i I actually don't travel much i don't have to travel a lot and I want to keep it that way as much as possible. And then we'll have regional managers and stuff too. So when I'm traveling, I do have to a lot more than I had to because board meetings and um, acquisitions and that type of stuff. And I'm highly involved more, more than most. Actually, my private equity group tells me I'm the most involved CEO they've ever seen with acquisitions. Just because I'm so connected to the marketplace and I love doing it too. Um, but I also understand I have a knack for seeing something like this, Victor, where I'm like, I tell right away with most of them, like, no, won't work, won't fit, won't align, won't, where quickly I knew this one is perfectly fit. And, and you've done a good job, Bill. You come from the service champions model, which is very similar to our model. And so that therefore it aligns really well. And I think, you know, obviously, you know, before we ever had this conversation, we'll go into a little bit, obviously, how we even picked up this conversation, because there was never any plan of selling or acquisition or anything like that. And it was kind of funny how it even happened. But I think when I first started, I first started talking to my managers about, hey, this is what we're looking at doing. And and I think that, you know, one of the big things for me is like, if I was ever going to sell my business, it was going to be the right person. Like, it has to be someone that's going to take care of my employees. It's going to make sure this thing grows. And 
And the fact that you said you want to be the biggest in the market, the fact to see my business that I started from a baby become the biggest in the market is going to be pretty cool anyways. But I think having my GM in place that's worked for you, a lot of my staff members have worked for you. And, and I had some conversation. I've had a lot of conversations about you and, and even some of them are like, man, like, you know, you remind me of how George used to be back in the day, like just getting excited and, and getting, you know, just growing this business. And I think that was one of the big things that was a deciding factor for me was like, first off, you know, the market, right? Like California, like if I, if you go sell this business to some random private equity group from Florida and they come into California, what's going to happen to this business? Like, you know, what's going to happen. It's, it's happened. There's, there's, I'm not going to say names, but <clears throat> there's one who's, who's already uh, agreed to come join the staff here who was a general manager of another branch that I think it was for a platform bought and the crash it. Yeah. And it's California's a different market. And, and I think that was one of the things when I, when we started, I was like, well, this guy knows the market. He's got a reputation of taking care of employees and he's got a reputation of growing businesses and being very successful. And I think that was one of the things that I was like, okay, this makes sense. Cause I mean, I've talked to a lot of different people about acquiring absolute and all this stuff. And it's like, nothing, none of them made sense. None of them really, I felt like really wanted to turn it into something like special and grow it and nurture it and stuff like that. So let's talk a little bit about obviously how we even this conversation came up. Cause I think it was kind of funny. I think me and you've gone back and forth a couple of times over the last couple of years, just on social media messaging and stuff like that. And did, I think you had reached out to me. I think I had said something about, about uh, Ishmael. I think I had said something online about Ishmael. And I think me and this is like early, you know, end of last year, me and him were kind of going back and forth at each other. And I think you came up to me and you're like, Hey dude, like it's, it's okay to be like, say stuff, but like, you got to control yourself. And I think it was kind of cool. Like you almost came to me more like, I don't know you. You're like, Hey dude, from the outside looking in, you need to, you need to lock it up. Like, you know, you got all this potential, but you keep saying stuff like this. And it was almost like a, almost like a Godfather feeling like you wanted to, like, you wanted to help me. And I think that's kind of how our conversation started. And, and I don't, there was nothing even talked about about acquisition or anything. We we're just kind of going back and forth about just maybe a mentorship and stuff like that. So you want to talk about a little bit about how we first started talking? Yeah. I mean, I didn't know at the moment that it was Ishmael, but you said something like, <laughs> yeah, um, you know, um, the post was, if I remember something like, you know, I only grew a company from zero to 20 million, I guess, but I guess I don't know what I'm doing or something. And I, I told you just let your actions speak for that. Like you're going to have haters yeah. and you know, just focus on that because you're right. I said, you're right. Not a lot of people could do that. There's not many people who have done that or could do that. And then you told me, you, you, you did tell me, uh, Ishmael said something that, that upset you, but, um, I said, don't let him or anybody control what you say or what your emotions are. I mean, you control that. And at the end of the day, you're going to have, if you don't have 10 haters by summer, yeah. you're doing something wrong. So, um, but yeah, that's why I said, look, I could help you and mentor you on just, on just really just, letting your action because you've done a lot. Yeah. I mean, you've done a lot with other contractors, helping other contractors, so many things focus on those things. And, and that was my only intent was to, was to just help you. And I do that. I mean, gosh, I mean, whoever watches podcasts, there'll be a lot of them who could say, yeah, it does that exact. It's true from me. I, he helped me with this or helped me with that. I help anybody who reaches out. Um, sometimes I miss some stuff. Don't, so don't bash me if I miss you. Uh, but for the most part, uh, I mean, I, and if I miss somebody, it's not intentional. I let, I give people access to my managers to, you know, we went, I went to Rhino X. There's two individuals there who said, Hey, will you help me with X, Y, Z? I've helped them a ton. Um, you know, a guy in Grand Junction and another one in Maryland where, you know, I don't have any motive or any thing in return. I truly just like helping people. And I, I believe it's the way God made me anyway, but made, 
the world work. If you just worry about helping people, good things will come. You know, I just like having that reputation of people saying, when I first became a manager, something I said right away, just about my people, I want as many people when I'm done with my career to be able to say, I own my own business, or I've done this, or I've done that. And a big part of why I've been so successful in my career was because of that guy. That, that motivates me. It's not money. That motivates yeah. me. And money will come. Yeah, that's, Money's think, always come. I think that's somewhere where we align too. Like, you know, like the legacy thing is, is, is just as important as how much money you can make, right? Like, what do you, how do people talk about you when you're not here? How do they talk about you when you're not in the room? Or, hey, if that guy, like, I think a lot of people that do know me that know, like, dude, I genuinely try to help as many people. And, and it's kind of cool that we are very aligned on that. And, it's something I didn't know, man. Like, obviously, I didn't really know you. I, I just knew that you had a business in California. You grew this. You got the. You got this business in Colorado. You're growing this thing, and and you know, I looked. I look at a, a lot of guys from afar and kind of like, okay, that's some guy that guy that I would look up to, or like, I, I want to. I want to do something that he's doing, right? So, I think you're one of those guys. But I also never thought that you were coming back to California. And I don't think a lot of people thought you were coming back to California um, as far as owning a business again. So, like, yeah, I'm, just not, I'm just not coming back to live here. Yeah, that, that's what it was. Yeah, he's like, see, I thought you, I, I didn't, you know, even like when we first started talking, Mike, you know, I didn't even think about that because I was like, oh, he doesn't want anything to do with California. He moved out of here. He probably doesn't want anything to do business wise here. And um, so obviously we started talking, going back and forth. And you, I think you started just asking me a couple questions about the business and, and a little bit. And I was like, well, you know, this is what we got going on. This is where we got to go. And, and I don't even know how it even came up to where all of a sudden we're talking about you possibly buying the business. Do you remember exactly where that started or? <clears throat> some point in our conversation, I said, what's your long-term goal? And you said, um, you jokingly said, said, sell it to you. And I said, why are we waiting? <laughs> yeah, I think, I think that's, I think that's where it jumped in. And, yeah. and, and uh, obviously we let it, we let into that stuff. And, you know, this is months ago. And, and I think it, I think I think after that conversation, I was in Dallas, I was in Dallas when we were talking, I think I was, I was sitting in my hotel in Dallas when we first started talking. And then uh, I started thinking about it. And I'm like, okay, well, I got a lot of stuff going on in my life, like, you know, between obviously different businesses and different, obviously training and all these things. And I'm just like, I also knew deep down that I haven't had the focus that I needed to get this business where I wanted to go. Like I haven't been the leader that I wanted. And one of the things that I was, you know, thinking like, man, this is a great opportunity. I just couldn't focus where I needed. And I think that was something we started talking about and, and what you would do with the business and how you want to grow it. And I started just thinking like, dude, what's the best thing for my people? Like, I know that I'm mentally not there every day, like what they need and growing it and, and the focus that it takes. Cause growing a, you know, running a, a small business is one thing, right? When you start getting to 20, 30, 40 million, it takes everything in you to run it. And I started thinking, man, like, what would it, what, what would I have to do to get to where I wanted to go? And I just didn't think I can get there where I wanted to be by myself. And I don't think my staff was getting the person that they deserved to get them there. And I think that's where we started the conversation. Um, so obviously, you know, kind of fast forward, um, fast forward now, I mean, it's been four or five months or whatever it was and, and going through the due diligence process and all those things that, you know, that takes to, to sell a business. Like this is, I think the coolest thing is obviously talk about growing a business and everybody talks about growing it, but selling a business, is a whole other ball game. And I think that I didn't realize the amount of stuff that went into it and, and it's like, uh, it's almost like being naked and, you know, George, George is over here, I'm butt naked and he's just looking at me and it's kind of <laughs> awkward. And I'm just like, man, what the hell? And then every day there's something else. Cause you don't, you don't think about it. Cause if you're growing a business fast, there's so many things you're just like, okay, on to the next. And you don't really have that stuff in order. And I'm like, I still remember, I think, you know, my, 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 uh, my accountant's like, Hey, what's this purchase in 2020 on a fucking Saturday? I'm like, I don't fucking know what that purchase is like and the stuff that you have to go through. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about like, obviously, you know, now they're doing the acquisitions, like 
some of the things that you think you're really looking for in an acquisition that like you got to have an order or things that like really matter to the fixing group that are going to decide if it's on the company you really want to align with? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, <clears throat> every platform is going to do their diligence. I think ours is actually far less than, than most. We're pretty lenient. We typically just look at what I look at first and foremost is um, culture. Like, what do I feel the culture is like of the business and the people? And, and um, um, for me, like, what, what's leadership going to be like today? You know, what is it today backwards and today forwards? And is it the same leadership? Is there adding to it? Or what does that whole dynamic look like? And people try to ask me all the time a lot of these questions about acquisitions. It's like no two are the same. No two are the same. But common is even if they tried to have their ducks in a row, they typically don't. Um, that's common. Um, so we're used to that. Um, and so it's just getting a lot of information of, it's really just financial for the diligence side, right? We have lenders, we have people who have to sign off on it. They're going to verify that the revenue is what it is and that those type of things, and that there's not going to be like a legal issue or any of those types of things. They're going to look into legal financials, all that type of stuff. Like anybody would, I personally just look at the culture what the opportunity is, what's happened up till now. Do we believe we can enhance it? Do we believe we could take these people and grow them and make them better and make them more money? And if all those things align and we believe, you know, undoubtedly that we could do those things, then, you know, we, that's, that's where I want to start having discussions further with, with somebody is, is making, after we make sure they align in as many ways as possible with our organization. One thing yours had that you know not all have but you have the turnover process and mentality in the field yeah and a company that doesn't it's just a lot harder to get to, to to really show them and teach them that understanding we're really good at showing them and teaching them and and they always end up making more money but getting them there mentally it's usually just an ego pride sort of thing and sometimes it's laziness they don't want to actually go there see a 20 year old system take it apart, clean it and do the right thing. They just want to hurry and go try to sell it. Well, I don't want that guy focused on selling anything, right? Just do a really good job for the client. That'll lead to the replacement. Should it be replaced? Absolutely. We all know that. You try telling the client that right up front, you're going to have, you'll get sales, but a lot less of them than I will. Yeah. And that's what your company understands and our culture understands and we're aligned in. So, you know, that's probably the, the biggest thing. Like if somebody's like, at least for our group, not just art, service champions, same way. Um, and I think that's the, thing the same way. Some of the top platforms understand the turn process really well. And I think that's one thing, obviously, you know, I got blessed to start at service champions and learn that process. But I think that's one thing from day one. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you grew your business fast. And I'm like, well, you just did the right thing, right? Like, and, and we have it in our office. It says reputation before revenue. And that was one of the conversations we've had since day one is like, do the right thing. You know, our tune-up process, everyone thinks it's crazy when I talk to them. They're like, you're spending this much time and doing all this work on the tune-up. And it's like, dude, it's not about the how much you know time you're spending there. It's building up that relationship, right? And I talk to my technicians all the time. I said, look, it, you might not get nothing today, right? That sucks. But guess what? The next call, you might benefit off the guy that got nothing last time. And he fell in love with the company. The customer fell in love with the company. Now they're deciding you come out, you do an amazing job. And all of a sudden, now we're now you're getting business off the last guy that busted his ass for you. So when you're out there, you got to bust your ass for the other guy that's going to feed you. So it's kind of a back and forth thing. So where it's like, 
yeah, you might not get the customer today, but if you build a relationship with those customers and they want to finally do business with you because you guys have always done the right thing. And I think that's one thing that's allowed our business to grow and, and get where we're at and, and the, you know, thousands of five-star reviews in, in a short period of time is just doing the right thing. And I think that's, uh, you know, something that I saw that, you know, cause I have, I have friends that work for you in other branches. And I think that was the one thing that stood out too. It was like, how you guys do your process and how you treat the customers and do things the right way. Cause there's so many companies out there where it's just like, it's like, Oh, we're just coming to smash and grab, right? We're just coming there to get as much money as we can. And then two years from now that business is burned and it's on to the next company. Yeah, on the next it's not company. sustainable. It's not sustainable. Right. And, and I think that's how our industry is for the most part, but the guys that understand the business and the ones that want to be around for a long time have understood that, Hey, look, you got to put the customer first. And I think that's something that really aligned with, with what I wanted to do and where I wanted to see the business go is what you guys already do. Yeah. If my guy coming to your house is, is allowed to sell you a new system and it's commissioned to do it and you know, it's going to lead them to do the wrong thing ultimately. However, our guys make far more money, you know, seven figure incomes, high seven figure incomes, highest over 300, four, even 400,000 a year. And when they're running calls, they're not going to your home doing a tune-up and, and trying to sell you a new system. They're not even allowed to. And, you know, I, I talk about it to my people in meetings all the time. If you go there, focus on money, it's going to lead you to do the wrong thing. If you focus on just doing a great job for the client, then, and, and looking for the win, what's the win? Relationship building. I did this great thing for the client, found this, fixed this, helped them. Yeah. And if you do that, there's the win. What was the win on the job? How many wins did you get? There's several wins you can get. And sometimes it all it leads all to our company getting a replacement at some point. But, you know, if we just do our job and do what's right and do what's, you know, money will come. And, and the way our structure is, rather than commit, you don't have to make this full commission to go do a tune-up and sell somebody a new system. Our industry mostly does that. Yeah. Clients know that. They hate that. They're thinking this guy's going to come take advantage of me. And then most companies are right. And in our organization, I know as the owner, that's never going to happen. Well, I think the, you know, even I still remember, you know, being at Service Champions, being a technician. And I remember we would, we'd get a $30,000 sale. And the first thing Leland would ask is like, did you sell them the membership? Because that means you did a badass job, right? Like you can get someone to sign up on a membership and you, and you bust your ass for them. And, you, and if they sign up on a membership with your company, that means that you did something that they believe in, right? right. And I, that was something I, you know, I took, I've always taken as like, okay, lead with service, right? If we're, you know, most people are replacement companies, we're a service company. And when we talk about it, we talk about, hey, look, and my job is to make the system last as long as possible. And God forbid the day it finally fails, I hope that you give us a call and you give us an opportunity to replace it. And that's how I talk to customers. And that's the way we've always pitched it. Because if you do it that way, you play the long game rather than trying to do it that way. They're going to tell 10, 20 more people. It's, it's the word's going to spread that you guys are doing an amazing job. And I think if you're listening to this, guys, and it's like most companies are, we're just waiting for units to break down. How Absolute was built, how Fix It's built, right, is, hey, we're not, we're not waiting for the unit to break down. We're going out there for service. We're going to provide an amazing job. And hopefully, you know, they go and replace it with us. But that's how you guys are able to generate more calls. Anyways, we're not sitting around waiting for a repair to come in. We're going in creating revenue. We're going in creating customers through the tune-up process. And I think that's one thing that we really align on pretty well. So obviously now that you, you've come in, you know, we did the acquisition. It's been a couple of days now. And, and I think one of the things you said, right, you go into a market, you want to be the biggest. So what is kind of your plan um, here in Southern California as far as growing the business? I mean, what, where do you see absolute airflow going over the next couple of years in California? Um, look, our goal is to be the biggest in the marketplace. Um, 
you know, and that could happen quickly. Some of these other big companies will implode. Mark my words. Um, they will. They will. They will go backwards before they go forwards again, if they go forwards again. Um, it gets to a point where you know some of the leadership leaves, and when some of the leadership leaves, a lot of times the company goes the wrong direction. Um, just historically, I believe this branch will be one of, among our biggest, if not our biggest, by the end of next year. It's a big marketplace, great foundation, scaling fast, year-over-year year revenue every single month this year so far is 100% in, yeah. this, in this company year-over-year. Year. I mean, it's it's flying. So it's awesome. And uh, there's there's only upside. It's, there's such a great foundation. It's not like you got to come in and rebuild a bunch of stuff or fix a bunch of stuff. We're just going to add to it, improve, and, and, and go forward much faster. And we have the capital to add to marketing and, and – take over take a lot of market share from a lot of people we're gonna do that and if you are in the market i have a lot of guys that are in my market that listen right and if you are a technician you're a sales guy and you know one thing i always talk about is like hey if you're a good person we want you right and if you guys are a good person and you guys want to do things the right way and you want to be treated right you want a good company and i think uh you know if you're listening to this and you're thinking man like that sounds great you know come give us an opportunity right like, we're looking for good people and I, and I think that's one thing george talks about and the same thing as me like i can't I can't train a good person. You're either a good person or not. Right. And that's kind of what we're looking for here. And it's, it's, and we can't hire everybody. Right. Like I feel like I firmly believe if you try to hire everybody and there's some companies around here, they'll just hire anybody that breathes. Right. If you hire anybody that breathes, what happens is that cultural is going to eventually die. You're going to implode from the inside. Cause you're not going to do things the right way. So if you guys are listening, you guys are, you're a person that wants to do things the right way. You don't want to have, you maybe you're dealing with a corporate culture where it's just like, man, you feel like a number. I think that was one of the big things with this partnership is I wanted to partner with someone that didn't, didn't make the business feel like a number. I didn't want my employees to feel like a number. I wanted them to still have that, that fun culture. Obviously we got to do things the right way. you got to follow rules, but at the end of the day, we don't want you to think you're a number. And I think that's one big thing. So if you're feeling you're in Southern California, you feel like a number, come give us an opportunity. Come, you know, obviously come in and talk and see what we're about. Cause I think we're about to go do something special here and we want as many people to be part of it as possible. Yeah. Um, so I want to add to that real quick. Um, <clears throat> And if you're thinking about it, I would say inquire and don't expect to be hired right away because I could tell you just over the last two days, like, I mean, people I haven't talked to in years, people are reaching out to Thomas, people are reaching out. I mean, like, it's like a waiting list. Yeah, exactly. We can't hire them all yet. We all, we got to go figure out how to buy enough trucks. Like, we're ramping a market, ramping up a lot of stuff. The waiting list won't be long because we're going to scale this fast, but there literally is a waiting list now. <laughs> I mean, and it's growing every second. So. I would get on the waiting list for sure. So I wouldn't yeah. wait, Yeah. but um, I wouldn't expect to be hired right away just because we literally have a waiting list now. It's crazy. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's something like it's reputation. Yeah. I mean, the reputation was already there and now we have the firepower and we have the, the capital and everything like that to go where I wanted to go. And that's what I'm really excited about. So obviously we want to talk a little bit about, you know, the future expansion of fix it and where, where you see it going. And obviously like circle back and people are like, well, why, why fix it over the other groups? Right. Like, there's so many other private equity groups out there, but I feel like a lot of them have reached kind of their max potential, right? Like they're, you know, there's some big boys like the wrench group, like for them to get bigger and get more shares and all that stuff for your shares to grow is going to be almost impossible at this point. Right. No, they're like 1.3 billion now. So they're for their share value to double, assuming the EBITDA stays the same, which usually, you know, doesn't, but that'd be 2.6 billion. Like good luck. Like just for your share value to double. Yeah. For our share value, like you just be the shareholder your share value from today to tomorrow could double with one acquisition. 
how fast we're scaling. Yeah. And I, I think that was one of the big things is me is I wanted to get in early on a platform that, that aligned with how I like to do business, right? Like I don't want to be aligned with someone that doesn't do business the way I like it. I'm, I'm very, uh, very particular, but also, yeah, the fact that we have an opportunity to grow and, and obviously I've seen, you know, me and Georgia talked a little bit about the growth, growth opportunity and what the, what the plans are. And I think it's, you know, if you guys are growing your business and you guys are thinking about, man, like maybe I want to exit in the next year or two, uh, one of the other things I align with on Georgia is that, you know, with Profit Rocket is start teaching some of the core values that Fix It's looking for and the things that they do in the business to get set up to maybe possibly be part of the platform in the future and, and, and you know, try to help you guys understand what it's going to take to become a, a company that private equity is looking to buy. And I think that was another thing is, is that, you know, Georgia is allowing me to still do my training and do the things that, that I have passion in, but also trying to enhance it and, and helping it with a little bit of stuff that they do to help my customers and help people to get better too. So if you guys are looking for a company or a organization where, Hey, they're going to be able to come in take care of my employees, do things the right way. And I'm going to be able to make a lot more money. And then, you know, that might be something you guys want to reach out to George and start having that conversation. Cause you know, I think the earlier you have the conversation, the better. Yeah. You, I mean, even, even if now is what I'm like, hey, in the next 12 months, do these things, implement these things. And no matter what, it'll help the business. Um, but Definitely, you know, I I would reach out sooner than later if that's if you're looking for an even how to build an exit plan. And by the way, I do this for a lot of people too, or with a lot of people. I've had meetings recently with other business owners and other, you know, even in our in our Denver market and other places where it's like, hey, just make an exit plan. It doesn't have to be with me. I'll help you do it. And, and I'm super genuine about that. Like, I'll help you figure out an exit plan. And there's lots of there'll be no shortage of buyers. Your opportunity within what you get is one thing to look at. Share value. If you were a shareholder at the beginning of Group, you crushed it. Yeah. I mean, you just, you did. But at this point, we're kind of, I feel like we're kind of that. And I say, I feel like we are that. Now, like we're here in the near future, in the next few years, if you're a shareholder of our group and where we're going, and with our sophistication, I feel like our management team's uh, tenure and sophistication is the best in the industry. All of us together, it's like we've so many people on this management team across the board. We've all worked together for freaking the last 20 years at this point in different capacities. And you can't you can't make that happen. No. Like, it, And it's, it's just so we're all so aligned. And so we have so much experience that we're all also the same as far as like we're learning every day. So we're not trying to be like, oh, we know it all right and we're getting better every day and there's stuff i've already found here in two days that you guys do better than we do in any of our branches because that's what i look for that's where we're gonna go we don't a lot of these companies come in and we're the best and we know this yeah. and this is what you're gonna do right we never do that like you don't that doesn't work and um but there are things that we make better and i can help business owners start making better now just to better their business well and, i think you know, if nothing else they'll get that I mean, even, even one of our, you know, local competitors reached out a couple of years ago and he's, you know, doing 40 million a year, losing his ass and you were still willing to help him and, and help him start making money too. And, yeah. and I think that, uh, you know, even if you're not planning on selling or anything like that, just reaching out. And, and I think this is one thing I talk about. And when I first started my business, it's like, I would never talk to anybody. I kept everything in. I thought I knew everything. And I think that's, you know, one of the big things is like getting out of your comfort zone and asking people stuff that you don't know and understand. I feel like this industry is very good as far as people willing to help. If you're willing to step out of your own ego and out of your own way and have that conversation. I think George is one of those guys. It's like, 
I was always just scared to talk to them, but like, I feel like you shouldn't have to be in, in anybody in this industry that's doing better than you. I feel like you should reach out to them and figure out what they're doing because the guys that get where they want to go fast are the guys that are reach out and ask the people that have already done it, what they're doing. And I think that's something that's important. So if you guys are listening to this, reach out, you know, even if it's not George or me or, or any of these other guys, like just reach out to somebody and say, Hey, look, this is what I got going on. What would you do in this situation? Cause they probably already been through it. I mean, George 20 years in, he's probably been through every single thing you're thinking about having issues with right now. He could probably give you an answer to yeah. And, and, and he spoke about it publicly. So all even that person was Ishmael and, and the, the credit to Ishmael is, is, you know, he was 40 million and wasn't, you know, was seeking not just myself, but I didn't know him. Yeah. And just kept reaching out, kept reaching out. And he's very persistent and, and was doing so with other people too. So, you know, a handful of people by doing that taught him how to, how to grow even more, how to, how to be even more profitable and, and did really well and being able to sell his business. And, and because he's persistent asking and seeking out the right people to learn from and which is exactly what you're saying. And most people are scared to do that. And he was not only not scared to do that, he was very persistent and he didn't, I didn't know him. Yeah. I didn't know him at all. He's just very persistent reaching out and reaching out and reaching out. And I assume he's that way with, with some of the other people that helped him and, and, you know, it, it worked out for him. And, and so many people don't do that. Yeah, it's a big deal. So, um, George, is there anything else you want to add to this podcast? We're going to go ahead and probably get it wrapped up. How, how can people reach out to you or what's the best way for them to reach out to you if they do want to talk to you about either acquisition or even just a little bit of help? Yeah, I'll give you my cell phone. I mean, text is easiest. And, and by the way, I'll never ignore anybody on purpose. I get a lot of text messages. Um, so, you know, you can, you can reply even more than once if you have to. Hey, just bring this back to the top. But uh, my number, phone number is 951-316-5272. And email is gdfiredup at gmail.com. So you guys heard that. There's not very many CEOs or people in general that are going to put their put their phone number out to a podcast where there's thousands of listeners every week. So it's going to be the guy that, that, takes his, that actually takes advice and jumps out and actually asks for help. It's going to be the guy that gets where they want to go or girl, right, that gets where they want to go. So, George, man, I'm, it's a pleasure. I'm excited about the future of Absolute. I'm excited about the future of the Fix-It group. And I'm excited about, you know, obviously our partnership going forward. So thank you so much for obviously, you know, trusting me and my business. Uh, thanks for coming on the podcast. And uh, man, like I said, I'm really excited about the future of, of our business and even the home service space in general. Yeah, me too. We're going to do great things. All right, guys. Thank you guys for tuning into the Profit Rocket podcast. Make sure to like and subscribe to make sure you get future episodes. Cannot wait to see you guys not only, you know, listening to more of the podcast, but we'll see you guys in Austin, September 27th through 29th for the Profit, Profit Rocket Growth Summit. We're really excited to go to events.callprofitrocket.com. Make sure to get your tickets today. See you guys. Thank you guys for listening.